Hi, and welcome to Sexo y Todo Eso, Sex Ed for the Latinx Millennial Parent. This podcast is a weekly conversation about parenting and sexual health in the Latinx community. Each episode, we'll talk about sexo y todo eso, while breaking cycles and building relationships in our families. My name is Stephanie, and this is my co-host, Ceci. Hey everyone, I'm Stephanie. And I'm Ceci. Welcome to Sexo y Todo Eso, Sex Ed for the Latinx Millennial Parent. Um, And thank you for joining us. We're super excited to welcome you to our first episode. This podcast is going to cover so many interesting topics regarding sex, how we talk about sex in our homes, and how our culture has impacted our ideas and values around sex. So we are both Latinas who grew up in the U.S., and we're both trying to tackle those generational taboos about sex. For this first season, we're going to focus on sex ed in the Latinx home. This journey is going to get exciting, and it's also going to get very uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, we want everyone to have fun during this process, too. So you might be wondering, why should we listen to your podcast, or why should we even listen to you? And those are both very valid questions. So we'll give you a little bit of our background. So my professional experience is in adolescent sexual health. I have a bachelor's degree in kinesiology and health promotion and a master's degree in health behavior and health education, both from the University of Texas at Austin. During my time in Austin, I worked with various nonprofit organizations and government agencies to provide sexual health to various communities. And so those communities included elementary age children, middle schoolers, high schoolers, young adults, and even parents. When I worked with parents, I delivered these services in both English and Spanish. I have experience implementing and facilitating different curricula using a peer-to-peer model, a positive youth development model, a trauma-informed approach, and an adult learning model. And currently, I'm also working on my doctoral degree from the UT Health Science Center, El Paso Regional Campus. And so that is my experience. Ceci, tell us more about your professional experience. Yeah, and for me, um, I've spent the last maybe like decade or so involved in sexual and reproductive health care, ranging anywhere from working in abortion services to nonprofits and clinical settings. Um, I have a master's degree in public health. And um, since then, my uh, work is focused on sexual health education um, with young people, with parents talking about how to start these conversations at home, training training educators and other professionals on sexual um, health education best practices. Um, so I'm really passionate about this work. I've been involved in it in a really long time, um, and I'm really excited to start this. And like um, Stephanie, uh, I've also been trained in a variety of different um, methodologies for this education as well. So we decided to start this podcast because we actually worked together for several years, um, maybe like four or five years or so. Um, And a large part of our work focused on talking to parents about how to start these conversations at home. Um, Most of our audience were Latino parents, um, and we were really surprised to find that they were really eager to 
have someone talk to them about this information to learn more about this topic. Um, I think there's a stereotype that sex is a very taboo topic in the Latinx culture, and it definitely is. We don't really talk about it in our homes. Um, we don't talk about it with family, with our siblings. And so when we worked with parents um, together, I always told Ceci, you know, one thing we should look into is having some sort of radio talk show or a TV show, something creative where we can reach our communities. Um, but I mean, it was always some an idea because Ceci and I are both introverts Um we don't like speaking in public, <laughs> or at least I don't like speaking in public. Um, you know, we're very reserved and we're good listeners. And so it was always an idea that we brainstormed to be more creative in, in order to yeah reach the community. Which is really funny because our job was literally to stand in front of rooms fulls of people and talk about sex. So... Yeah, so I, I I was telling Stephanie I was more nervous about starting this than about actually the work that we did before, which was in person. So that was a little strange to feel. Yeah, exactly. And so it's it's really funny because, you know, when the pandemic hit, you know, everyone went into um, virtual mode and everyone started using Zoom and Google Classroom, WebEx, um, all the technology. Uh, and so, you know, I reached out to Ceci and was like, hey, I think, you know, we should just start a podcast. I think now's the time and we have the experience and we have the knowledge. Um, let's get it out there. Because we found that it wasn't because they didn't want to have these conversations or parents weren't interested in or curious to have these conversations. Most of us just didn't have a model to follow and how to have these conversations. And the parents we worked with uh, wanted to show their kids a better way um, than they were shown. They were really interested in breaking this cycle. And when we talk about Latino, the Latino community in sex ed, the focus has been on parents um, who don't talk about sex because of religious or personal values or beliefs and those prevention efforts have left behind parents who don't talk about it simply because they just don't know how or have not had that education themselves um, but you know they're really eager to start these conversations at home yeah and there are like a couple of things that have left this um, huge uh, sex ed gap in our community so one there's not a lot of programs or curriculum that focus on parents um of young people, like period. There's just not a lot of them. And the very few that do exist um, are not really specifically focused in Latino families or really um, develop with like the Latino culture in mind. They don't take our, you know, cultural values into account. And the ones that do might still have a very dated idea about what it is to be a Latino parent um, here in the United States. Um, which is really surprising because research has shown again and again that the main influence on a young person's uh, decisions about sex is their parents or their primary caregivers. And I know what you all are thinking, um, like that stereotype that teens don't listen to their parents. But again, like Ceci mentioned, the research is there that, you know, when it comes down to making these important decisions around sexual health, teens are listening and they're trusting 
their parents for that information. So we want to acknowledge that sexual health is a topic that most families and most communities or cultures have trouble talking about. Um, It's not specific to the Latinx culture, but we do want to focus on our culture because we are both of that culture and we're familiar with those experiences, but also because there are a lot of disparities in sexual health and reproductive health um, that disproportionately affect the Latinx community in the U.S. Um, There are also stigmas that contribute to these disparities. For example, there's hypersexualization of the Latinx woman. There's machismo in our culture, which is, uh, you know, a big one. The idea of the young Latino mother or Latino teen parent and having huge families as a teen parent. There's cultural expectations of gender and motherhood. And when trying to break these cycles, we can sometimes be judged for having white parenting, trying to assimilate to white culture. And in actuality, that idea of punishment for children, um, seeing young children as lesser citizens was brought over through colonization from European cultures. So truly trying to break these cycles is us trying to go back to our cultural roots. Um, So while education can definitely help, um, there are also forces outside the individual, like systemic racism, income inequality, healthcare access, and all of these other things that can impact this disparity. Um, We're trying to do our small part in the whole and hope that um, this makes a small impact for the better. Um, Knowing this, we decided to take up this responsibility of bringing what we know, bringing our experiences um, to whoever is out there listening. And hopefully each episode will bring you something that maybe you hadn't heard before, um, something new, maybe something you hadn't considered, um, and bring someone one step closer to having these conversations at home. You know, Ceci and I have always talked about our experiences with sexual health. I think it guides a lot of the work that we do. We've realized that we've had similar experiences and yet very different experiences growing up when it came to sex ed and sexual health. And so my experience is that my parents are both immigrants to the U.S. I was born and raised in El Paso, Texas. Um, It's a border town. So my mother was and is still very much Catholic, very devout. And so her religious views heavily influenced how she talked about sexual health and sex ed to me and to my brother. And I think also as an immigrant parent, she really relied on this education system and schools to provide that information. She never kept me from getting sex ed from schools. Um, She always signed those permission slips. for me to attend those classes. It just wasn't coming from her. Her conversations with me around sexual health and sex ed really relied on her family values around sex. What I got at school was very bare minimum, if that. So I really turned to reading magazines. Um, I think I read a lot of Teen Vogue and Teen People, Seventeen magazine. They really had some good tidbits around sexual health, and that's where I got a lot of the information growing up. And also, 
in high school, I attended a health professions magnet school program. And so as far as like anatomy and medical terminology um, and mechanisms around reproductive health, I learned from there. And, you know, even as an adult, I still continue to learn um, and I'm always learning something new around sexual health. So, Ceci, what was your experience like? Yeah. So, I mean, similarly, my parents are immigrants. Um, I was actually born in Mexico, um, in a border town in Mexico, in Reynosa, and um, moved to the U.S. when I was around two. So, I I mean, I, I grew up here. I went to school here. I didn't know anything else. Um, I did have sex ed in school. It wasn't very comprehensive. I think it was mostly just like, oh, this is puberty. This is what's going to happen to you. And, you know, dividing the classroom by like girls and boys and um, that sort of thing. Um, I was lucky in that my mom was very open about having these conversations at home. So uh, I knew I could go to her with any questions. She would like bring up topics. Um, I remember she gave me this like book um, in Spanish. I think she found it like goodwill or something. I I don't know where she got it, but it looked very old um, about like sexual health. So that was really helpful. Um, It had like this whole, like the running idea through the book I remember was like, wait until you're married, Um, which I kind of ignored when I was reading it. I was mostly focused on the more like kind of like interesting parts of it, Um, but it was helpful either way. Um, And yeah, I mean, I I was I'm very grateful for that. Um, like even when I started working at the abortion clinic, I mean, I was already in college, but um, even then, I remember the person interviewing me for the job was like, "Are you sure your family is going to be okay with you working here?" Because they had had people, and it was in the valley in like McAllen, which is a highly like Hispanic Catholic population. So um, I understand where she was coming from. She's like, "We've had people who started working here, and then like they only lasted like." a few weeks or months because, you know, they just couldn't handle the pressure from their families. Um, But yeah, I, I, I can't complain in regards to that. I think a lot of um, where I did have kind of like a miscommunication with my family or parents when it came to sexuality education was in the more in the like relationship aspect of it. Um, when it came to things like dating or going out or going to school dances is when it was more of a conflict of them being more like, no, you can't do that. That's not right. That's not okay. And me growing up here in the U.S., I was like, but this is what people do. Right. Um, so that's where it was more of a like um, a little bit of a conflict there. And it's interesting that you mentioned how – at the abortion clinic, they asked you, are you sure you want to do this and that your family's okay with this? And it just made me giggle because it just reminded me of my experience. And so for a long time, my parents didn't know that I was in the sexual health field. Um, I think when my dad, I had told my dad first and he was like, well, make sure you don't tell your mom because she's going to freak out. And I, I mean, I didn't tell my mom and he hadn't either. And I don't know how she ended up finding out, but uh, she did freak out. <laughs> and, um, you know, she would always say, well, isn't there something else that you could do? Like, why do you have to do that? You know, um, and she couldn't even say it. She would say like, esas cosas. 
you know. And I think she's kind of come to terms with it because, I mean, I'm still doing this kind of work and she knows that I'm still, you know, very much involved in sexual health education, um, especially with adolescents and parents. We sometimes have conversations. A lot of it, a lot of my adult part of my life has been educating her um, more so than anything else, um, especially when it comes to gender identity and sexual orientation and, you know, healthy relationships and birth control methods. Uh, Sometimes it can get very heated, but I think it has been me more educating her and myself unlearning some of these stigmas and taboos around sexual health. Yeah, definitely. No, and even then, like I, uh, when I told my mom that I was working at the abortion clinic, I was kind of like, because we, I don't think we'd ever really talked about abortion before. I think I just kind of like assumed that she would be okay with it, just because of my experiences with other things I talked with her about. Um, yeah. So when I told her, she was like, "Oh yeah, your great grandmother used to make these teas for the women back in our village in Mexico, so that they could stop their pregnancies." And I was like, "What? Oh, I've cool. never heard this before." Uh, so that was, I mean, it brought up really, it's brought up really interesting conversations with my mom, this work that I do. So um, that's been pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, even now my parents don't know that I'm doing this podcast, <laughs> but I mean, I don't know if they'll ever find out. They're not very active on social media other than Facebook. I don't know. I'll, I'll deal with that later. <laughs> that's something for future Stephanie to worry about. Yeah, exactly. Future Stephanie will work through that somehow. So knowing that everyone has had a different experience with sex ed or are listening in with different levels of knowledge around the topic, we want to lay the foundation for what we mean when we say sex ed. So what are we referring to? Um, And this is a question that we always ask the parents that we were working with. What do you think of when we say sexual health or sex ed? Um, And nine out of 10 of the times most parents said sex. So either vaginal, anal, oral sex. Um, That's what they thought about. Uh, And then after that, you know, we'd get a couple who would say like, yeah, you know, STIs or birth control methods. Um, So we would get that also, which isn't wrong. You know, sex ed does talk about these topics and they're very important in terms of prevention and taking care of yourself and your partners. Um, But when we talk about sex ed, we want to also think about it uh, and we want our listeners to think about it as a way to, you know, increase bodily agency and self-esteem, you know, having that empathy for other experiences. We want you all to think about it as, you know, being aware of your body and the changes that you're going through, puberty. Definitely communication and how you advocate for yourself uh, in your relationships, as well as when you're at the doctor, at the clinic, um, knowing your health needs and your rights around your bodies, uh, respecting others and consent, um, healthy communication, healthy relationships, all these things that fall into sexual health. 
Um, it's a more comprehensive view than just, you know, having sex and preventing STIs and preventing pregnancy. So it's all of these things. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, also a lot of the things we talked about when we were talking about um, sex ed with parents is focusing on how having these conversations are going to benefit their families and benefit their kids. I mean, there's a ton of research about comprehensive sex ed and um, how it can lead to things like um, abuse prevention. It reduces stigmas. It raises empathy. Um, Young people wait longer to engage in sexual behaviors um, if that's something that's really important to to parents and families. Um, It helps with like emotional regulation and how to not only set your own boundaries, but be able to accept other people's boundaries as well. Um, increases use of, I mean, there's so many things, increases use of birth control, reduces STIs, which are a lot of the things that parents really focus on. Um, Yeah. And I mean, we could go on and on. We're not going to sit here and list like every single thing, but there's just so many things that sex ed um, could really be beneficial um, for families to have these conversations at home, especially in states like the one that Stephanie and I live in Texas, where it's not always guaranteed that this education is going to be coming from the school system. Yeah. um, I mean, Texas is special. Um, And it's a sad state to live in when you're working in sexual health and reproductive health. Um, You know, and with the recent overturn of Roe v. Wade, you know, that opens the door for other, you know, sexual health and reproductive rights to be in jeopardy. So it's very important to always have this knowledge and, you know, spread the knowledge, have these conversations with um, our young people, whether it be our children, our nieces, nephews neighbors, um, students at school, um, just being a trusted adult and having these conversations um, is very key and important. So we know that having these conversations can be anxiety provoking for most parents and caregivers. um, And it's no wonder because it's not a topic um, that many people are used to talking about or feel very knowledgeable about. Um, And that's for societal reasons that we won't cover in this episode. But we will get into specifics and nitty gritty of how to have these conversations in our future episodes. For this episode, we would like you all to do a little personal exploration. Yeah, so it's important to establish how um, we as adults and parents, um, for those of you who are parents out there, or or even if you're not a parent, um, a a lot of us have like nieces or other young people um, in our lives or nieces and nephews and other young people in our lives, um, how we feel about sex, sexuality. how we define what our values are and what values we want to communicate um, before we can have sincere conversations about sexuality with the you know young people in our lives. Um, so a warning, we are going to ask you all to reflect back on your experiences with sexual health and the adults in your life as a young person. Um, uh, we've all had a variety of experiences. Some of these reflections might be uncomfortable for some. So if you feel that this might be the case for you, you can, you know, please feel free to skip ahead. Yeah, and so we want to also acknowledge that some people have had negative experiences and trauma around sexual health. So please take this time to skip to 25 minutes and 50 seconds in order to take care of yourself. So we want to ask you to reflect on your own experience in having sexual health conversations with your parents or adults um, in your youth. So Go back to your teen years. So for me, it would be teen Stephanie. um, And for Ceci, it would be teen Ceci. 
And so I will pause after each question, but feel free to pause or hit pause after each question for however long you need to reflect on it. So for the first question, was your experience talking about sexual health with your parents negative or positive? Could you go to your parents or caring adults and ask them questions or advice? If yes, what was it about this adult that made you feel comfortable going to them? If no, what was it about your experience with this adult that made you feel that way? How has your culture affected this experience? How do you feel talking to your parents about sexuality right now as an adult? Has the discomfort ebbed away? And finally, how do you want your kids to feel when you have these conversations with them? So these can be heavy questions to ask ourselves, to reflect on, um, to think back on. Um, You know, stuff, emotions, memories might come up that maybe you didn't hadn't thought about in a really long time. But we also want you to know that talking about sex with the young people in our lives doesn't have to be serious all the time. It can be fun. It can be embarrassing. um, It can be whatever the situation calls for. It needs it to be at that time. Um, But it's important to understand that where some of our gut reactions come from to some of these topics, um, when our kiddos are going to start talking or asking about sex, um, it can help us react in the way we want instead of reacting on impulse. Um, So thinking about our own experiences, reflecting on our own values can be super important before we even start having these conversations at home. Yeah, and so we've done a little reflecting ourselves and asked some of our close friends to do some reflecting with us. And that in turn has turned into, you know, our Platicas episodes So we'd like you all to check those out uh, when you can. So we've included some of those snippets um, in this episode. So take a listen. There are so many systems that directly apply to our culture that impact our bodily autonomy, right? So you have patriarchy, you have white supremacy, you have religion, which is a combination of all those things. And people internalize that a lot. I do remember seeing like pad a lot of pads in my mom's like uh in the restroom. Um and I, I remember asking about them at some point and kind of getting this uh, answer of like, oh yeah, it's sometimes when I'm in a hurry and I feel like I need to pee, like I'll wear that in case like I pee a little. And that made sense to me, right? Like it's these things that like hold liquid. I think like the the message that we're getting too all the time, right? Is like if something is really not talked about. It's because, like, it's either it doesn't exist, it's not real, or it's so bad so as not to be mentioned. I, I think I think it really just does all come back to, like, forging healthy relationships, right, and how those are the building blocks of, like, healthy sex lives, right? And so, you know, how we have, like, healthy friendships and how we have healthy um, non-platonic relationships, right? You know, not talking about it growing up makes you feel like it. it is a taboo topic. It's a bad topic, something that you're going to be in trouble for. You're going to get backlash or whatever. That's what I've been trying to 
with our girls. Like, I hope that they take away that. I'm not going to keep information from them if they ask for it. I'm going to tell them what I can, how I can, and make sure that what I am saying is true to the best of my knowledge. And I hope that, you know, that that means that they'll be able to trust what I'm saying. Thank you for staying with us, and we hope you liked our first episode. We'd love to hear about y'all's experiences with sex ed, so follow us on Instagram at sexuitodoeso to share your experiences and to ask all your sex questions in our stories. Please check out next week's episode where we'll dive into how to actually have the sex conversation and some tips on how to not have a panic attack while doing it. Disclaimer, it might still happen. Make good choices. <laughs>